arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I love Epiphany. It's one of my favorite days in the calendar uh, every year, because in particular we make a big deal about it by moving it to a Sunday. I'm reminded of the great readings that are appointed for it, and, and if you uh, have a tendency to, to pray the morning office, the, song, the Isaiah, rather, 60 passage might be quite familiar to you, the Serge Illumine, which is one of the canticles appointed for morning prayer each day, one of the three options, but, but in any case, there's this, you know, rise and shine, the glory of the Lord has appeared upon you, and darkness uh, shall cover the land and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and it has arisen upon us and dispelled uh, that darkness. And you've probably heard me say from this pulpit before, I don't like the dark. I don't like the night. I never have. I certainly don't like it now that I tend to get up at six in the morning to go running. I hate running in the dark, but I've never really liked the darkness. In Virginia, where I come from, dark is dark, right? So you could be driving down some country road and it's quite dark, and you always have to wonder what's lurking on the side of the road waiting to come out and run into your car, right? Because deer and other critters are good at doing that kind of thing. But, but here, it's the kind of light that's penetrated the, the sinful darkness, the rebellious darkness uh, of the people of God, and God has, has shown his light upon them. And then we jump ahead to the wonderful reading from Matthew and are reminded about the Magi coming to the Christ child following what? A, a light, and again, the timing is not overly important to me as to when they got there or didn't get there. But um, the point is, is that they've come, they've seen a light, they followed it, they, they knew that there was something special about it, and they came all the way to Bethlehem to see who? This Christ child, the, the light of the world, the light to the nations. And then Paul, as he so often does, and even as I said a few weeks ago, thinking about how Paul theologizes about things, Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, wants to think about how these Greeks have, predominantly Greeks, the Greek city, have been brought in to this plan of God, to this light, how they've been moved out of their own personal darkness into the light. And so it's such a great uh, day in the calendar because we, we celebrate this dispelling of the darkness, this breaking into the dark and sinful world of the light of Christ once and for all. Oh yeah, we don't have to look far to find darkness in the world, that's not the point, but theoretically we don't also have to look very far to find the light that can and does in fact dispel that darkness. And so it's just a great feast day, and so as many of you know who are uh, perhaps founding members here of Epiphany or you've been around for a while, you've heard me share this before, when Bishop Bill and Bishop Eric sat down to name our parish in their traditional way where you let a bishop name your parish and uh, I said, I want you to name it. And since we had people coming from uh, primarily All Saints and people coming from Resurrection, right? Was that uh, in, uh, in Placentia? Coming together under two bishops, we, they got together and decided that we would be called Epiphany. And as you've also heard me say, I asked for Anglican Church of the Epiphany so we could get the ACE acronym out of it. Uh, but they decided on Epiphany because they, they, they wanted us to be a light to this community, to this, this greater Los Angeles, La Mirada, and Los Angeles and beyond um, locale. And so what a great opportunity we have to participate as lesser lights in this greater light of Jesus Christ. And so it's just a, a great day, and I love celebrating it. But, but today what I want to focus on is not just the image of light that's so common, 
there in these passages, though that would be easy to do as well. And, and not even so much that the gospel is, you know, no longer for the Jews. I mean, it's, it, it's now for the Gentiles, but that's always been the case. Even in the Old Covenant, the Gentiles had a way to participate in the work of God. But instead, I want to uh, pause tonight and have us think about Epiphany as both gift, but also a trust that we've been given. A gift and a trust. Now, coming here at the tail end of the Christmas season, most of us, I hope, have re- has received a gift in the past couple weeks. And if you haven't, please come tell me. I'll buy you a gift. I want everyone to have a gift. Gifts are good. But, but I assume we've all received at least one gift here in the past couple weeks. And, and maybe we really like that gift. Maybe we were okay so-so about the gift. Maybe we were even surprised by the gift that we were kind of so-so about, or, or maybe we were surprised and loved the gift. I, I don't know. Maybe we knew exactly what we were getting because we have family that says, what do you want? And then we tell the family, and then, oh, look, I got exactly what I asked for. Right? So we've all probably received a gift li- uh, lately, and so we, we get the nature of gift giving. But what about a trust? Have you been entrusted with anything uh, in your life? You ever had someone kind of come up to you and, and say, like, I want to trust you with the secret, or I want to entrust this to you? Uh, I had to laugh the other night when we when we stay up a little later than normal. Somehow the TV almost always migrates to Seinfeld, which sorry if if you're of a certain age, I know this is not a Friends or an Office reference, so I'm sorry you can't keep up. But Seinfeld is cooler than those shows and is still running on TV. And so um, the other night, Mr. Peterman says to Elaine, and if you know the sitcom, then you know it. Elaine, can you keep a secret? And without missing a beat, she says, no, I can't. And then he tells her anyway about this very expensive cake that he had bought at auction from a wedding in the 19th century that actually Elaine had just eaten. Um, and anyway, that's, it's the Frogger episode also with George moving the Frogger video game. So those who know it, know it. But I, I love the fact that this character on this TV show, can you be trusted with the secret? No. Immediately, she realizes, I'm not a trustworthy person, but, but maybe you could think to something you've been entrusted with, whether a, a secret or some bit of knowledge or just something, and, and you get this, this idea of a trust. Or maybe if you're of a certain age and you have a job where they've, uh, you have a retirement benefit option or something like that, you know, we, or even just banking in general, we give people our money and we trust them with it. We trust financial people to make a little more with the money that we've given them. So we get, I think, both gift and trust. But what does that mean in in light, no pun intended, of Epiphany, right? How are we to think of that tonight on the night where we celebrate the Epiphany, the manifestation of Jesus Christ to the world? Well, first is gift. Again, let's go back to Isaiah. Your light has come, the prophet says to God. Your light has come and the glory, or to the people rather, your light has come, he says to the people, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. That's the first gift that we've been given. It's that light that dispels the darkness. I don't know if I've shared this before from the pulpit, but my father-in-law, who's still visiting us, is into two things primarily in life, collecting, and they're not collectible items. Bungee cords and, and flashlights. Have I shared this before? Flashlights. He loves a strong flashlight. He cannot buy flashlights strong enough, right? And he keeps buying them so much so that we joked with him again on this visit that, Pap, when you pass away, which we hope is a long time from now, everyone at your funeral gets a bungee cord and a flashlight because that's the only way we're going to get rid of all these things. 
It's to get, and we're not going to buy them. We're just going to give away the ones that he has. But, but he loves a flashlight. He loves a flashlight that just penetrates the darkness and illumines, right, the darkness. And that's the kind of light that has come into the world. The light of Christ penetrates all darkness, whether it's our personal darkness, that darkness, whatever it is that we struggle with in our lives, that, that thing that hovers there and we, we're trying to shake off and trying to get out from under, whatever that may be for each one of us, Christ pierces that darkness. It's the darkness that's in the world around us. It's, it's the darkness that literally lurks around corners, but it's also the darkness that is settled across our world these days. And not just these days, it's always been this way, but it's the light that can penetrate that. That's the first gift that we've been given is, in fact, we don't have to live in darkness. Because as much as I hate getting up and running in the dark, I love this time of year because the sun's coming up while I'm running as well. And I love early morning California light. It's beautiful. I also love golden hour in California, right? It's the bookends of the day. But that morning light reminds me most days of the gift of not just light, but life. And the gift of Jesus himself. I'm so thankful for the dispelling of that darkness. I might even smile on occasion through the pain while I'm running at the beautiful light. But that's the first gift we've been given, and it's connected to the second thing I want to talk about as gift, and that's the infant Jesus. Matthew 2, that's the story of Jesus. It's the story of these wise men coming to Mary and Joseph and this baby lying in a manger and acknowledging that he's the light of the world, that he's the king of the universe. That's the gift we've been given, and our collect for tonight kind of highlights that side of Epiphany, the gift that we've been given, this light that we've received, and we need to celebrate that, and that's, again, that's what Christmastide is about, and that's what Epiphany as kind of a concluding feast to Christmastide reminds us of, is that, yes, the light of Christ has been manifested into the world. What a gift we've been given. We can be sons and daughters of God as adopted children. We can be partakers of the divine nature, to use Petrine language, because of the gift of Jesus Christ. But the second element of epiphany I think that we need to focus on is trust. That we've been giving been given a trust. And that comes from Ephesians. I don't know what it is here lately but I've preached on Paul's theologizing um, lately and I'm doing it again tonight because I'm so struck by the way Paul frames the narrative that he's inherited, the, the story of salvation up until this point. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. I mean, I, God has, has captured me on behalf of you Gentiles, right? Assuming, he says, I, I Paul, a prisoner, or for you, church at Ephesus, I'm a prisoner on behalf of you, assuming that you have heard of what the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Stewardship of God's grace. That's the trust that Paul was given, but by extension, it's been given to all of us. Because we've been told to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Right? That's, that's laid on all of us, to Jew and Gentile alike. We are to go into the world. We are to be a light to the nations. But but that means we have something to take. That means we have something to share, to give. And that's the trust we've been given. We've been given the stewardship of God's grace. 
We've been given the light of Christ. We know what it is. We, we have the flashlight to illumine the darkness. We have the answer to life's questions. But again, think about it. It's a stewardship. You have to do something with what you've been given to steward. Correct? Right? So if I give my financial planner money, let's be honest, I'm giving him money for one reason, to make more of it. Right? And this, this reminds us of the parable in the Gospels that Jesus rewards the shrewd um, investor of money, the one who makes money with money. He chastises the one who buries in the ground and doesn't do anything with it. So stewardship is not just about money, of course, but, but it's about being given something that you then do something with. And that doing something with it isn't just to sit on it. Sure, someone may ask if they can park their car at your house while they travel somewhere, and they may give you the key and say, move it on Tuesday, because that's when the street sweeper comes, right? Eh, that's not quite a stewardship. That's doing someone a favor. But if someone needed a car and you had one to loan and you gave it to them and said, keep it for as long as you want, use it, and in whatever way you need to, I would hope the person who received that would steward that vehicle well, right? That they would make an effort not to leave it parked on the street, in our case on Tuesdays, to just rack up whatever it is, $40 tickets or whatever it's at now, right? That's what stewardship is. We do something with it. We use what we've been given. And we've been given the gospel, the light of Christ personally. We've been illumined by the light of Christ as Christians, right? In baptism, we give what? That candle, that light of Christ to the newly baptized is a symbol of the light that they've received. So we as believers, we've received this light, but what are we doing with it? It's not just a gift, right? So one gift I got for Christmas this year was a, a, a print of a Benedictine monk that had been carefully cut out of a book published in 1745. I didn't cut it out of the book. Someone else cut it out of the book, right? It, it would break my heart. So I thought the best thing to do is for me to own these prints that this person has cut out of books. So I got it from my in-laws, and it's, it's beautiful, and it's great. And the first thing I did is I took it and got it framed and hung it up on my wall so I can enjoy it, and hopefully others. Right? I didn't just take it and say, this is great, put it in a manila folder and stick it in the drawer. No, I'm doing something with it. It was given to me as a gift. It's Gifts are meant to be used. Gifts are meant to be shared. Gifts are meant to be enjoyed. So that's the, steward, that's the stewardship that we're to exercise with this gift of light. Think about what the Magi did when they arrived there in Bethlehem in front of the light of the world. Matthew says they fell down and worshipped him. They offered him gifts. And they, they did something right? They, they followed that light, they got there, and they did the proper thing they should do as people who had received this literal light. They fell down and they worshipped him. So on this Epiphany Sunday, on this, members, those who come to Anglican Church of the Epiphany, if this is your church home, we've been given a gift, both in this parish, but in the person of Jesus Christ. But we've also been given a trust, and then entrust it with this light. What are we doing with it? How are we shining this light? You know, going back to my father-in-law's obsession with flashlights and bright ones at that, 
I think he came to my house one time, and maybe the power went out, or maybe this is just something he did. He went around, and he, first of all, he looked for flashlights in my house, which are not as ubiquitous as in his. Second, I think he tried a couple, and to be honest with you, they probably didn't work. Because most of the time, we don't think about getting a flashlight out until we need it. Or until Southern California Electric cannot provide us power, and then we have to have it. Right? Most of us don't do much with flashlights. I know where mine are at. I'm laughing internally right now because I know one of them actually has no batteries in it now that I think about it. So it's useless. But I also remember when I was a kid, my dad had these old silver flashlights that took like D batteries. Do you remember those? Right? It was like having to hook a car battery up to a flashlight just, and it didn't have, it was very, not very bright. It just took a lot of battery for these old flashlights, but they were, they were metal and they were silver. And, and every now and then, I remember as kids, we'd go outside with these flashlights and run around with them, right? And, of course, what are you going to do? You shine it into the sky because you want to see how far the light will go. Right? Living in the country, you can do that and actually see it. But we also, you know, shine them on each other. We just ran around. And I remember sometimes we'd run around, and then you could tell when the battery was getting weak because your light became less yellow and a little more orange. That probably was something about the bulb and the power level. And then finally it might shut off, and ding, ding, you'd bang it, you know, bang it on your hand because they were well made, and it might come back on for a little while. And then most of the time we'd say, Dad, and he'd say, nope, that's all. <laughs> right? D batteries didn't grow on trees. And so what are we doing with this light? Are we just sitting it on the shelf and say, well, when I need it, if I need it? Or worse, just ignoring it so that when, in fact, I do need it, it, what will it do? Or are we taking this gift and this trust we've been given and running around like good evangelists and shining that light in the darkness wherever we can? Because if we're not doing the latter, we need to be. Because God has given us the gift, we've accepted the gift, and now it's time to use that gift to shine light into the darkness. So as I do every year at this time, let me remind you, Anglican Church of the Epiphany, that we need to live into our name in this community and around the world. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.